This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, this is Dr. Demento, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Roberts with a reminder that we will welcome back Adam Sharp, president of the Daytime Emmy Awards, beginning at the top of the hour. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we will round out this hour by playing part two of a conversation that began last week about the television career of band leader Spike Jones. Joining us via Zoom is Jordan Young. Jordan's many books on the entertainment industry include Spike Jones off the record, the man who murdered music, a comprehensive history and discography of Spike Jones that provides as complete a picture of both the legendary band leader and as many accomplices as you can possibly imagine. Jordan's book includes anecdotes and remembrances from such Spike Jones collaborators as Billy Barty, Kay Ballard, Bud Yorkin, Eddie Brandt, Bill Dana, Lenny Weinrib, CBS broadcaster Mike Wallace, and the incomparable Doodles Weaver. Spike Jones, off the record, also sheds light on the particular niche of music parody that Spike Jones inhabited in the entertainment world and the circumstances in which he worked. The book also includes a comprehensive discography, many of Spike's itineraries from his popular stage show tour from the 1940s and more than 260 photographs. Spike Jones, off the record, The Man Who Murdered Music, available bearmanormedia.com, barnesnoble.com, amazon.com, and wherever books are sold online. Here's another interesting thing uh, that I learned through your book, Jordan, is Ernie Kovacs wanted Spike to be on The Tonight Show when Ernie hosted The Tonight Show in the 50s. That would have been a great collaboration. Why did it not happen? Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate because uh, Ernie Kovacs had that same uh, kind of mind, especially, uh, I mean, his music parodies are just unbelievable. But uh, the ET-12 overture with the, uh, the eggs crashing into the frying pan uh, right on the bead. Uh, it didn't happen because... Uh, Spike had just appeared on the Perry Como show, and that and that this, I just saw it recently. It's in color. Uh, it's a great showcase for the band, but unfortunately, uh, the producers of the Perry Como show would not let him appear on anything for <laughs> you know in the you know anywhere around that time frame. A non a non a non compete clause. Yeah, and, and and what he missed out on especially was the. Uh, the invitation uh, from Ernie Kovacs. Uh, that's just a real shame. We mentioned that the producers of the Perry Como show put the gabosh on Spike doing the Tonight Show when Ernie Kovacs hosted it. Fast forward a couple of years later, this is another interesting discovery. Spike had an opportunity to host the Tonight Show during that six-month interim between the end of Jack Parr and the debut of Johnny Carson, yet Spike himself said no. Right, he uh, he just didn't think it was a good idea. So I have a letter that he uh, that he wrote. Jack Parr, uh, according to Spike, Jack Parr would do all kinds of things that uh, you wouldn't expect to see somebody doing. On, uh, you know, uh, according to Spike, he was not all there, uh, but. Uh, Spike uh, thought that they would watch him doing the Tonight Show for the wrong reasons, that it was not going to be a good fit for him. It would not be good for his uh, 
career. Yeah, but, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it's this is pretty late in the game for Spike. You know, it's only a couple of years before the end. Yeah, uh, that's true. It sounded like he thought that the network wanted Spike to be more like Jack Parr versus just letting him do a host of shows as as Spike Jones. Right. I mean, as they said, he had hundreds of ideas for television. Yeah, you know, not everything was. Uh, for example, he did an album called uh, Leonard Burnside Presents. I guess that's the name. Uh, obviously, a parody of the uh, Leonard Bernstein uh, lectures and uh, uh, presentations and things. And uh, this is uh, written or co-written by uh, Bill Dana. Yes. Uh, which is, of course, famous for uh, Jose Jimenez. In fact, uh, Bill Dana was writing his writing and producing Spike's uh, television show, one of the last uh, shows that he did. I have the cover for it uh, we show in the book. It's, it's promoted as the hottest comedy album of the year or something. It was never released. <laughs> uh, he did one. He, he appeared on the Ed Sullivan show. I did one uh, uh, excerpt from it, but... Uh, you know, all the, uh, this is uh, late 50s, early 60s. So all of the hot comedy albums are a stand-up. It's guys talking and being funny. So Spike has to do a complete, you know, this isn't, uh, it's like musical humor. Suddenly it's, it's not nearly as appreciated as guys just standing up doing funny material like Bill Dana, like Jonathan Winters, Morris Saul, and that type of thing. Uh, Nichols and May, this is all very popular then. Uh, so he's sort of racing to try to keep up with the times. It was really uh, rock and roll that did him in, in a large uh, sense. In the uh, the late 50s, he couldn't he couldn't keep up with it. Well, well, not so much he couldn't keep up with it. He couldn't figure out how to satirize it to a large extent. As, as far as he was concerned, it was already ruined in its original version. It was, it was unintentionally funny, and he didn't consider it music. He had a hard time trying to figure out how to satirize that. Yeah, it was a com- uh, it was a combination of rock and roll and the emergence of Stan Freeberg that really put a dent in what was once. There was a time where he owned that genre for a good ten or twelve years, and then the two things. Although you mentioned he couldn't figure out how to satirize rock and roll, he he sort of did that to a degree. He did it on his television show with Billy with, to, with Billy Barty. He was allowed to record some of the things he wanted to record. Yeah. But he did do it on his uh on his television show. I have Elvis Presley was obviously the hot new thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the late fifties. And uh they couldn't they couldn't show the bottom half of Elvis <laughs> on T V. You know, the the uh, the hip swivel thing was yeah. so uh outrageously sexy or whatever. So Spike made a thing of that. I mean, he put Billy Barty in a pair of pants and, uh, and gave, and it had gave a guitar and he's spiking out, you know, showing for the first time ever on television, we're showing the bottom half of Elvis and it's a <laughs> pair of pants playing a guitar. Uh, Was Spike ahead of his time? Was he behind the times or does the answer depend on who you talk to? Uh, I would say absolutely. He was way ahead of his time. I mean, the, the ideas that he had were, he was, he was 20 or 30 years ahead of his time in terms of the ideas he had for television, a lot of the ideas that he had musically. Uh, but as time went on, I mean, toward the end, certainly he's, uh, some of the things he's, he wants to do or the way he wants to do them or the things that he's thinking of, uh, 
by then maybe they're a little passe. In general, I would say he was he was really far ahead of his time. The things that he came up with, uh, you look at them and you just uh, it's, it's it's pretty amazing. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Final question for now, because I have a feeling I'm going to want you back on the program one of these days. What else are you working on these days? I mean, we can spend an hour just listing Jordan's other books on music and film and television histories. Are you working on anything in particular at the moment? Oh, yeah. Working on a number of things. One of them is a uh, uh, collection of interviews of people who worked in radio. Uh, So my friend Randy Scredbett and I, uh, and Randy Scredbet's uh, name might be familiar because he uh, he did a book called uh, Laurel and Hardy: The Magic Behind the Movies, mm-hmm. which I edited and published in its first edition. He has uh, recently come out with a uh, what he calls the Ultimate Edition. In fact, I swiped that uh, to scripture for my book, the Ultimate Edition. Since I've done Spike Jones four times, I don't plan to do another one. <laughs> But uh, so Rand, anyway, Randy, unless, unless uh, you discover another box of sheet music at a at a furniture store, yeah, that that that, <laughs> that, that could trigger it. But uh, so Randy was the one who came up with the idea of interviewing people who worked in radio. This is thirty years ago, and I said there aren't enough people left to interview, and he said yes, there are. So we started making lists, and we interviewed together uh, or individually. We interviewed about one hundred twenty five people who worked in radio before we finally gave it up. But uh, I interviewed Dick Van Patten, who was a child actor in radio. Uh, we interviewed, uh, Randy interviewed uh, Gail Gordon, uh, and he interviewed Carlton Morse, who was, uh, you know, one of the uh, the great uh, dramatic writers. Uh, Norman Corwin, who was really considered the bard of radio, a great uh, dramatic writer, the, the kind of guy that... You know, uh, or two, the the VJ uh, Day victory over mm-hmm. Japan, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, uh, declared the uh, networks go to Norman Corwin and ask him to write a show, or uh, he wrote a show about the Bill of Rights that uh, you can listen to today. It's far surpasses anything that's that's been done before or since. So your book, uh, so your book on the voices of radio is coming. Yeah, it's, uh, I wouldn't say when it's coming up, but we interviewed Vincent Price okay. and George Burns, and uh, uh, yeah, a, a great number of people who worked in radio. Okay, it's it. Okay, so it it is it is forthcoming. That's that that would probably it's be forthcoming. The, that, that it's going to take that, us a while. That to is the right word. Put it together. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, Jordan's other books include John Ford's The Quiet Man, a series of books called Real Characters about character actors like Burt Mustin. Um, Laurel and it's, it's, it's a group of uh, character actors, and then I, and then I more recently did a ebook updates on Burt Mustin and on uh, Iris Adrian. But, uh, There's another book called Laurel and Hardy Meet Samuel Beckett. I'm going to have to get a copy of that because <laughs> that's, that's like a good conversation. It's it's an ebook. It's it's an essay that I first wrote. About fifty years ago. Okay. But more recently, I rewrote it, and uh, because I was never really happy with the original version of it. But uh, yeah, I, I contend basically that uh, that Samuel Beckett's uh, play "Waiting for Godot," uh, the most inf- influential uh, play of the twentieth century, certainly the second half of the twentieth century. Uh, the, the, the characters are based on Laurel and Hardy. 
and he was a huge Laurel and Hardy fan. Well, what I like about you, Jordan, is that you embrace the new media. You find different homes for things that maybe could have been published, weren't published before, but now there are platforms for them today. And so that's and so you have a lot of short ebooks that are great, a lot of information. Jordan Young, author of Spike, you know, uh, Spike Jones, almost did it again, Spike Jones, off the record, the man who murdered music available, bearmannermedia.com, amazon.com, where books are sold online. Jordan, we will have you back again. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, Ed. Uh, I really uh, enjoyed it. I appreciate it. We will welcome back Adam Sharp, president of the Daytime Emmy Awards, when we come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. One more item, if you love Ella Fitzgerald, our friend Jeffrey Mark celebrates the music of the First Lady of Song every week on Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella. You can hear Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.